Now, more than ever, the great people of Tennessee are frustrated with the current direction we're headed as a state and as a country. We, the people, need to take a stand together, not simply as individuals, but as a force of nature in order to protect individual liberty. On this show, you'll hear from three voices who lead an organization called Tennessee Stands. Myself, John Fender, the Director of Communications, Gary Humble, the Executive Director, and Kevin Kukaji, the Chairman of the Board. We'll sit down with politicians, business leaders, community organizers, and citizens just like yourself to discuss the ideas, action points, and strategies needed to boldly take a stand and assert the unalienable rights given to us naturally by God. Welcome to the Freedom Matters Podcast. All right, here we are. First episode of the Freedom Matters Podcast. I am John Fender, Director of Communications with Tennessee Stands, and I am joined by Gary Humble. Executive Director of Tennessee Stands, and Kevin Kukaji, Chairman of the Board with Tennessee Stands. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah. Excited to be here on our inaugural we, we've episode. We've been talking about this for a while, and like, now it's here. We're doing it. Yeah. New year, new podcast. Yes. I like um, it. So I thought for episode one, I thought we could just go through, not necessarily like our life origin stories, but just our origin stories with uh, association with Tennessee Stands, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, why... Why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing, and um, what kind of got us into the uh, the fight, Yep, as you could say. So, uh, Gary, you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Oh, I thought we were going to make John <laughs> go first. <laughs> well, well, I can go first if you so want. We'll go, but I, we'll go Gary, John, If Gary and goes Kevin. first, then my, my story kind of makes more sense. So. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, so outside of executive director, also the founder of Tennessee Stands, and that... The, the impetus of that for me was in the middle of 2020, uh, sort of June, July, whenever schools were coming up with their reopening frameworks. And uh, at the time, my older two boys were in Williamson County Public Schools. They are no longer. But that was the first time we saw there being a plan put in place where we were still masking children and going along with this whole charade into the next year, mm-hmm. right? And for me, seeing that actual plan on paper, just it did something in me. It made me realize in a concrete way, um, this is not going away. Liberty truly is right now at this moment in time. It has been for quite some time, but mm-hmm. but especially with what we're going through in this in this response to COVID, our liberty is at stake. Our way of life is at stake. Our system of what we expect government to be and how we expect it to work is all at stake right here, right now. So that that's how I got into this fight. Doing it for the kids, man, for my kids. Look, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a I'm a dad. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, mama bears out there. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm Papa a, bear. Is Papa that, bear. Is that yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> Does that make you feel like less of a man? Is that- <laughs> to say Papa Bear? I don't know. Let's go, right. for, let's go with it. Okay. There's Gary's story. Wait, that's it? I, okay, it so these are really short abbreviated. Short and sweet. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not looking so for your, where you're you're born well, and raised. Then you're going to go second. Yeah. All right. Well, mine kind of correlates with Gary's. Uh, it's, it's for the same reasons, but um, you know, when all this broke out in what late February, early March of 2020, none of us knew what was going on. Broke out. Sounds like acne. Well, it kind of feels like that at this point. It's a little aggravating. It's a little painful. 
but I'm going to fight through it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. If only there was like Clearasil or uh, oh, Oxy-5 we, to get rid of it. We have the Clearasil. Uh, it's called Liberty. Um, uh, yeah, so no, all that broke out. Like everything just kind of hit the fan and none of us knew what was going on. We didn't know what this was. We didn't know if it was dangerous. We did. So we all just kind of like went along. So that, at least I did. I was like, okay, I'll take precautions. I'll do what needs to be done. We don't know what this is. Then we started coming into the school year of that year, and that was my kids' first year of kindergarten. So that's their introduction into school. That's their their first foray into their academic career. And I was like, my kids are going into school not seeing anybody's faces. Got all these weird isolation and quarantine processes in place. This is this is that's the point at which I got pissed off because I didn't care for myself at that point. But when you start involving stuff with my kids, the first week or two, I am guilty of sending my kids to school with masks on. And I had my oldest come home and say, uh, asked me if that was going to continue. And I didn't have an answer for her. And she said, if this is going to continue, she literally said, I don't want to be alive anymore. Oh, wow. Hmm. I said, then you are not wearing it anymore. Wow. That's serious. And we were done. And so at that point, I was like, I got to do something about this. This is ridiculous. Um, when my six-year-old is telling me she doesn't want to live anymore because she has to wear something on her face. Mm-hmm. So I sent an email to Gary. I saw I saw a video somewhere online. I don't know. I think that's most people's origin story with Gary. I saw a video <laughs> online somewhere. Like this guy posted a video. <laughs> yep. And I said, uh, hey, I, I own a couple businesses in town. I'd be willing to help. And the rest is history. So here I am. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Thank Kids. You that. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Kids. That's why I'm in it. So, unlike John, I actually knew from the moment this nonsense started that this was nonsense. Mm. Um, it's not to disparage you by any means. I just... Please do. I, I'm <clears throat> worthy well, of that disparage. Well, un- unfortunately, <laughs> when I started texting and calling and emailing people that I thought were um, of the same worldview as I was about these issues... I could tell who was with us and who was not by the silence, Mm. right? The people who responded right away got it. But there were a number of people that I was very disappointed to learn um, bought it hook, line, and sinker. But part of that, we have to admit, is because our former president, despite the good things that he had done, remember, he gave a platform to Fauci and Burks and the whole the whole idea that we could actually stop a virus mm. by governmental-enforced mitigation efforts. It's, it's insanity. But what drew me to Gary was the video. Now, I, this was July or August of 2020, right, mm. when you put out that video. And then and John— this is the video you're referencing <clears throat> is the Follow the Money video, I'm yes, assuming? Yes, that's the Follow the Money video. Which you can look at, you can view on TennesseeStands.org. So it's Follow the Money, not Show Me the Money. Follow the Money. That's Correct. Right. But I, I think, John, you actually were the first person to send that link to me, and um, I didn't know who Gary was. And then Gary and I met in person at a friend's house uh, um, in September, October of 2020. I actually remember the origin story of introducing or bringing, pulling you into the Tennessee Stands world because we needed to file a lawsuit. And I was the wrong kind of lawyer. And uh, we pulled you in as a lawyer, but you were like, I'm not a litigation lawyer. I'm an I'm entertainment not. lawyer. So that's yes. how the two worlds collided. <laughs> that's right. But I met Gary at a friend's home. Um, I was invited to speak on issues of liberty and what was going on, and Gary was there that night. And the next day or the next week, shortly after that, Gary and I had dinner together 
and uh, at one of our favorite local establishments that's one of the Freedom Supporters. I don't know if we're allowed to say these things on... Yep, I say whatever you want. Okay, so we met at the Rutledge, which has always been um, a great place to be able to be free. We yep. appreciate that. I've given them a lot of business and will continue to. The FCC has no authority here, so... <laughs> <laughs> and Gary uh, humbled me by asking me to be his first board member, to be chairman of the board. So I was... Um, I couldn't say no. I felt the duty and the responsibility. My uh, Just a little bit of bio is that my, I came to this honestly. A lot of people know what I went through with the IRS in 2013 and 2014 because I was actually the first IRS target to testify before House Ways and Means Committee mm-hmm. June 4th, 2013. And I spent a year um, in national media and other venues defending my right to teach what I believe to be true without interference from the government and particularly from Eric Holder and the Obama administration. Mm. So that's... If you Google Kevin Kukaji, it's a, it's a world of, of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting on that note, John, is that whenever a, a music lawyer has not heard of me, and I've done music law for 30 years, it's how I feed my family, and they look up, look up my career, they're like, all I see is this political stuff. You know, you've been here, you've been there, you've been everywhere. Where's your music stuff? I'm like, I never advertise music. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my background. That's why I'm here. Okay, cool. Just to let people know that are listening, we all, we're all kind of play a role here, right? I mean, I'm going to go ahead and play the role of the dumb guy. Oh, come now. No, no, no. <laughs> John, D- I know you keep using that, but you are now about 90% further than most people. Yes, but I wasn't <laughs> two years ago. So, Which I'm- proves a point, which proves that if you're serious about it, yeah, it doesn't take a lot of effort, right? It takes interest in knowing the issues and becoming passionate about it. And within yeah. two years, yeah, I, Gary and I, I think can both attest to, to John has been, has gone from zero. If, if, if the scale is zero to a hundred, you've gone from zero to 90 in a very short time, which shows it doesn't take any special intelligence. I don't know when this turned into the praise John podcast. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, uh, but you, but you are the, the every man representation, right? That, sort of. Okay. That's so better let's than, not say dumb guy. Than dumb guy. Let's, <laughs> let's say every man. Let's say just your everyday guy. Yeah. You know what my father called that? What? T.C. Mitts. I don't know what that means. The celebrated man in the street. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. T.C. Okay. Mitts. So the John celebrated man in the streets. T.C. Mitts. Okay. But two years ago, I, I was just the everyday guy that was living life. Didn't really care about politics. D- I didn't really care about f- federal happen. I mean, it was like it was just like white noise off in the distance. I didn't care about it until I got involved. And so I'm st- and I'm st- still continually learning, and I'm learning most of what I'm learning from the two of you. So um, I'm just going to play the guy on this show that asks all the questions, that says, I don't know what the heck that means. Please explain it to me. And we're either going to have the answers or pretend that we do. And I, <laughs> No, because if we pretend, Gary, we're going to be like everybody that's else right. who does oh, this. That's right. Oh, man, I just became like everybody I hate. I think that's no. what mainstream media does, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's not us. Nope. No, so that's what I was going to say. Is that, that that's kind of the part I'll take on um, as just more of the instigator, like and 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 at times probably play devil's advocate because I'm I'm going to have questions on both sides. It's like, well, then if mm-hmm. you say that, why? What would you say if this happened? Or blah blah blah. Gary, I kind of see as the Tennessee expert. Yes. Yes. Indeed. No. And and if I can compliment Gary too, I say this as an attorney. I don't know any lawyer that knows the Tennessee Constitution better than Gary Humble. Mm-hmm. See, I wow, thank you, Kevin. Well, and to that point, like I wasn't even one hundred percent aware that Tennessee had a constitution. 
till I met Gary Humble. Okay, that's definitely TC Mitts. See, <laughs> I didn't care about politics so much that I didn't realize that every state had its own constitution. I am not below admitting that. And so yeah. once I realized, in fact, it was one of our first Tennessee Stands meetings that we had at a house in the backyard of a house where Gary re- referenced the Tennessee state constitution. And I was like, Look, oh, though, I need the, to read this thing. To the tune of every of the everyday man, of the everyman. I mean, I, I think that's, that's pretty common. You know, I, I think we, like I've said this several times, it's not that people have not been after noble things. Running your business, taking care of your family, working hard, you know, um, going on vacations, but, you know, enjoying life, pursuing happiness, honoring God in what you do. I mean, those are all noble things, but for so long, we have been focused on those noble things, but but shirking our responsibility to be involved in the public square and really be knowledgeable and engage in what is going on around us. And so I think that's, you know, we are learning now that we've done that to a fault mm-hmm. uh, here in America because, look, we have had it really, really good mm-hmm. in this country. And it's it's not it's not felt like for a long time that we've had to be engaged at a certain level to preserve liberty. But I think I think a mass of people are waking up now to the fact that has always been true that preserving liberty is a work of eternal vigilance that's never changed. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, those of us in in modern society now are having to relearn that, yeah. and and it's going to be some work. Yeah, um, getting back a lot of what we've lost and what we've given up. Yeah, yeah. I think to summarize your point, I think what you're saying, Gary, is that as Americans, we have um, focused on the collateral benefits of liberty while ignoring the foundation of liberty that provides all of those benefits, mm-hmm. right? And so what happens when you focus on the collateral benefits is you you lose the support for everything. And it's not – I've said to people who, who act like, well, I, I can't give up my job, right? I can't, I can't do X, Y, Z, right? I can't, I can't give up my income. I can't give up my job. Well, our point, whether it's Tennessee Stands or anybody that understands the foundations of liberty, our point is not to say that – your job doesn't matter, but if you focus on your job at the expense of liberty, you're going to lose both anyway. That's right. So you That's must good. focus on the foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Gary coming in as Tennessee expert, knowing the constitution of the state in and out. An expert with a capital E. I have to say that. Thoroughly impressed. Man. Well, apparently I just lost the Praise John podcast to the Praise <laughs> Gary podcast. No, I'm just being honest with both of you. That's why we're here. I, I like being in your company. Well, and then so to that point, I'll I'll compliment Kevin a little bit. We'll make this the Praise Kevin podcast Uh-oh. too. Uh, Kevin has actually been quite a, more than he probably knows, a mentor in my life. Um, Sweet. Both business-wise, um, enter- entertainment industry-wise, and then now, you know, just um, government politics wise i don't know what kind of see you as like just the philosophical introspective of this group what what, where do you how do you see yourself kevin's got such a grasp on just the the fundamentals of liberty and the way that our republic should work and an understanding of founding principles at a at a sort of a, a professor type yeah, level. Yeah, so I was going to say I'm the everyday except I'm oh, the everyday. Was all sounded good until you said professor. I, I know you I don't like the word professor. <laughs> I'm the everyday guy on the street. Gary's got the Tennessee. <laughs> Please the, don't call me Please. professor. <laughs> Such a good word. And man. I see Kevin just kind of at the like fifty thousand foot view. 
No, but that, oh, I'm not out of touch though. Fifty thousand no. feet could be out of touch. That's not saying. Uh, okay, maybe I said it wrong. You say it for yourself then. I uh, no, I appreciate the kind words, except for professor, because <laughs> because the professor is, you know, like all professions, there's a group think that goes with professorships, and I have sat not not just in college, but I've gone to many seminars philosophical educational seminars and let me tell you i am not one of those types guys sit up there and they read dry as toast dry as crackers just reading through their notes and it's it's an intellectualism that loses all the passion mm. and that's just not me yeah I mean, but you're the but you're the professor that folks like are are hunting to take their class you know that's that's full, okay so teacher that's, that's why would full, you say teacher then that's full before you can even get signed up teacher right? Yeah, okay. I, I love to teach. You know that I teach, and I I love to teach young people and old people and everybody in between. So teacher is way better than professor. All right, the teacher, the teacher, <laughs> the teacher. So with that in mind, like the three of us, the kind of the roles we'll play. I think what people can expect from this podcast and 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 every episode is just you've got somebody, myself, asking the questions that m- hopefully I'm you know the everyday guy is asking, yeah. and um, you've got an expert on the local level and an expert kind of on the bigger federal and maybe um, overarching level. Does that yeah, make the, sense? Yeah, the principal issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, why don't we tackle our first one? Yeah. The big one. Let's go. The previous Friday on the 7th, we had a Supreme Court ruling. Of course, we're recording this beforehand, so we don't really know. Well, what... well not, a, not a Supreme sorry, Court sorry, ruling, not but a, a hearing. Ruling, a hearing. Yeah. So from the two of you... I'd love to hear, like, I know Gary's shared some things personally with us on what this means for us as Americans and our way of living uh, and how big of a deal this January 7th hearing is. But uh, if I can get some thoughts from both of you, that'd be great. Gary first. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to set this up because this is this is like tip of the spear conversation. I mean, any anyone who's followed Tennessee stands knows clearly that we've been in the forefront on the conversation concerning mask mandates and vaccine mandates and medical mandates here in the state in terms of requirement uh, for employment, uh, in in healthcare, uh, dealing with schools, and just in general. And what's being heard on the 7th in the Supreme Court is the OSHA ruling, which requires any employer with 100 or more employees uh, to require the vaccine or require masking and, and weekly testing. Um, and they're also hearing the CMS requirement in terms of requiring all healthcare workers to have uh, to get the shot. And so th- this is a monumental decision because understand what we're saying. We're saying that right now, federal agencies. So this isn't even a law passed by Congress. This is a a federal agency of appointed bureaucrats. This is essentially the 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 office of the president passing off the buck to a federal agency. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Writing a proclamation and saying, "Hey, I want you to do this," and they're complying and they're doing saying, it. Okay. They're yeah. using their quasi authority to do it. Right. Enacting a a a regulation that reaches down to the individual at such a level as to require you to take medical treatment in order for you to have gainful employment and provide for your family. I mean, the, the most basic needs of, of humanity, right, to put food on your family's table. We're saying that 
the federal government per a bureaucratic agency has constitutional jurisdiction, Biden's saying, not we're saying, has constitutional jurisdiction so much so to reach down to the individual and require medical treatment in order to provide for your family. I, th- this is, you know, it, the ability for the federal government to tax, right, to, to tax your personal income. That's less than 100 years old. Mm. You know, a lot of us have grown up, I guess, maybe just thinking that, well, yeah, we've always paid the government. No, that that happened fairly recently, right, in terms of history. Mm -hmm. And that was an an incredible shift in federal power. But but we're going beyond your pay. We're going literally to the decisions you make and what goes inside of your own body. I mean, that's – so in my mind, and I'd love to hear Kevin's just deeper thoughts, but in, in my mind, if this Supreme Court rules to uphold these mandates, it would be the single largest expansion of federal power to reach down to the individual in American history. And I think opens Pandora's box to things that we don't even want to consider. Because if the— Supreme Court rules in favor of this, uh, this goes across, I mean, multiple boards, right? I mean, you've got agencies across the board that could start. That, that's yeah. correct. Is the IRS that's technically the considered an agency? Oh, yes. Oh, so then you've got IRS, the IRS. EPA, FDA, FCC, everybody. Yeah. So this just put, sets a precedence for all of these agencies to start sticking fingers in everything of personal lives. Like, it just gets ridiculous at some point. Yeah, and let's, I think there's, two primary problems. The first one Gary spoke about and kind of passed over, he mentioned a regulation that is imposed or mandated by an executive agency. It's not a law. It's Mm -hmm. not a law that's been passed with the consent of the people through the legislature. So the first issue that the Supreme Court is, again, has or is going to have to tackle is how do they justify this is this is another expansion of lawmaking power given to the executive, which is completely in violation of the Constitution. But then, if that is the case, as you say, John, it doesn't just apply to this limited situation. Although this is the this is the subject matter that's before the court now. But can you imagine it, once a court is once a court gives the executive the right to rule by fiat through agencies? Yeah. Then. The Constitution has been enti- – well, what remains the Constitution has been eviscerated completely. And your freedoms are – your freedoms are gone with respect to them being respected by the government. They're not gone in eternity because our freedoms and rights, privileges all come from God. But what we need to do to maintain them will no longer be protected by the structure that was founded to protect them. I mean it goes as far as like this goes into effect and the then the IRS decides, well – you, you did. You decided not to get vaccinated, so you have to be tested every week. So what we're going to do is we're going to reach into your bank account every week, and we're going to pull out fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? I mean, why not to pay for your testing? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, at this point, sets the precedence for that. Yeah, I, I, I use the example in conversation. I mean, imagine you know if, if federal agencies now have all this in, incredible power. But just think, this sets the table for you know a single payer healthcare system, which many in this country have been you know working towards for some time. And just imagine, in that scenario, you know you've got the government now providing for healthcare, and um, the FDA you know says you don't get X amount of healthcare because you're consuming too much sugar, 
I mean, and we've already kind of you remember when New York, New York, yeah, was going to ban the, the sugary thing. drink. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so this is this is not far fetched, you know, for these for tyrants who want a tyrant, right? It, it's 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 a very to me, again, this decision is is monumental. The hearing will be on the seventh. We don't know uh, when the ruling will come down. I mean, it could take months. Um, who knows what they're going to do? It's it's at it's at their discretion, right? In the meantime, we're all in limbo, uh, mm-hmm. even here in Tennessee, waiting on what the Supreme Court is going to say, how they're going to rule in terms of how the lives of so many folks are impacted Yeah, here in our but, state. Okay, but I have a question for you, Gary. You say we are in limbo, but isn't that the problem? That we as a society wait for the decision of a judge to decide how we're going to live our lives? There is no question you are 100% right. I I say limbo because we are in limbo in terms of this is look, this is what we've said since Tennessee stands inception. If everyone decided in a moment that we're done, it would be done. It's it would be done. Mm-hmm. If we all decided to stop complying with this nonsense, yep. it would be done. The issue we face is all of the folks mm-hmm. who keep complying and, yep. and who are giving deference to this federal overreach. And so, you know, like I said, in terms of Tennessee law right now with what we did in special session and the conflict it creates with this OSHA rule, you will have patriot employers that will hang their hat on the state law and reject the OSHA rule. But to the tyrants who want a tyrant employers – they're going to hang their hat on the OSHA rule and break state law. And that's what I mean of, of being in limbo is in terms of what everyone is at the, at the end of the day going to comply with. Um, we all know, as we continue to say with Tennessee Stands, all of us patriots do not comply with this unlawful, unconstitutional nonsense. And we will continue to do so. But that doesn't mean that we can't control what your employer is going to do and the requirements they're going to place on you. So I have two questions, Mm -hmm. and we'll take them one at a time. The first one is, I'm going to break it down a little bit further for me. I don't care which one of you does this, but um, constitutionally, like Kevin, you mentioned, constitutionally, it's just not constitutional. Right. You're talking about legislating from the executive branch. The the OSHA rule, Mm -hmm. what Biden's doing, is not constitutional. So can, you know, without making this a two-hour-long podcast, we're not doing the Joe Rogan show here, but um, if Joe Rogan wants to be on, he can. You're more than welcome. Um, (laughs) That would help our numbers. That's an open invitation. Open invitation to Joe Rogan. (laughs) Just as long as he he promises not to celebrate Barack Obama as the greatest (laughs) president ever. We will... I'll make that an open invitation every single episode we have. Uh, can you break down just like why for, for the, what would you call me? The, every, the everyday, what? Yeah. TC Mitts, the Mitz. celebrated man in the streets. For the other TC Mitts out there, mm-hmm. can you break down why this is not constitutional? Yeah, more than I said, no, but I'll say it again. El- elaborate Be- on what because you Because remember, I'm an entertainment lawyer, uh-huh. not a constitutional attorney. And you'd be amazed how many people confuse that because I speak in political circles, and I'm active politically, and because I'm a lawyer, but they do you assume, have to be a constitutional lawyer to, to explain well, this, or can you no, just have a really good understanding well, of the Constitution? No, the simple matter is that you have three branches of government: right. the legislative branch, which mm-hmm. is charged with making laws; 
the executive branch, which is charged with enforcing those laws that were passed by the legislature, and then the judiciary, which is, I say it in air quotes, charged with interpreting those laws, that has kind of changed uh, through the history of the courts what the courts have um, usurped their authority to what they're supposed to interpret and what they're not. The the executive and legislative are co-equal branches um, of the federal government, but they have different roles. And we've already seen through many years how those roles have become blurred. In fact, the legislature has – you know what happens with omnibus bills. They pass these giant bills with 2,000 pages. Not only are they way too long for the legislators to read before passing, but most of them are skeleton structures which then – passes the buck to the executive to fill in all the blanks. And, and, it's, and it's in the passing of those rules by the executive where all the trouble comes. That's unconstitutional. Yeah. And it's always been unconstitutional. But it's happened so much that people take it for granted and they think, oh, this is what happens. Well, that's what happens in a dictatorial regime. That's what happens under totalitarian governments, authoritarians. That's what this will become. Every time we slice away – I teach my students a lot – if it happened overnight, 100, 150 years ago, it would never be allowed. The problem is it's been sliced like a piece of meat at Subway or Jersey Mike's, you know, those little really sharp blades. Uh-huh. And we have sliced off very thin slices along the way. So we're getting very close to the end of the piece of meat that was being sliced. Had we taken a, a hatchet and chopped it in half from the beginning, people would have said, no, you can't do that. That's the problem. You're legislating from the executive branch, of course, judges have stepped into that role too. And that is, it used to be the seeds of authoritarianism. Now it is the, we're, we're seeing authoritarianism march through our through our entire society. S- simply put, you have branches of government doing other branches of government's job. Correct. And, by Which the way... Which is clearly spelled out in the Constitution, <clears throat> it should not happen. And the reason it's happening is because the legislature is not jealous of its own territory. James Madison... That's so good. ...said that, that would keep the executive and the judiciary from usurping their powers. But the problem is our legislature all defers to the executive. Mm. They're lazy. Mm. They defer to judges. And their laziness affects our liberties as citizens. I, I would say – and that's – you know, at the end of the day, this we're talking about a separation of powers. But I think Kevin nailed it on the head that the root issue – look, the strongest branch of government – should always be the the legislature. I mean, they they are the representation of, of the, the people, people right. right? And the problem is, in, in federally and in our state here in Tennessee, they they have shirked their responsibility to the executive, and and in terms of Congress, even more so, they've not only shirked their response, they've they've shirked their responsibility to everyone else, to the executive, to the courts, and to these administrations, which I would say are unconstitutional in and of themselves. Long time ago, Congress determined that constitutionally it was no longer going to be the policymaker as representatives of the people. We're going we're gonna to delegate now that, that authority to the EPA, to the FCC, to the FDA, to the whatever, whatever, to the name your three-digit you know, administration. Yeah. That in and of itself is a shirking of constitutional duty and powers from the from the the true representation of the people that are supposed to be making these policies. And there's one more that you've forgotten. Since 2020, that delegation of, has even gone so far as delegating government responsibility to private business. <laughs> Giant corporate private business that has the ability to crush anyone who disagrees. 
so that the government then can then can say, well, we're not responsible. Yeah, the government we didn't, didn't force it. us to do it. Yeah. It's diabolical. So bottom line, it it, it matters who you put in, in office. Hundred percent. Oh, it absolutely matters. The question, which is too big for this episode, but is do free elections still exist? Can we get the people? Well, yeah, that's oh a, boy, that's a whole other like six <laughs> oh, part boy. series. But yeah. uh, my point was just with twenty twenty two coming up, like it, it like get out there because it matters. Either run or v- vote for who it's supposed to be in office because it matters, it matters who's in office. It's, it still matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. less so, but still matters. So my second question. <laughs> And this is probably more common than the first one, but uh, with the whole OSHA rule, and so let's just, you know, because this, this is Tennessee stands, let's let's be specific with Tennessee. Because in Tennessee, we passed law that doesn't allow for this kind of stuff to happen, but you've got a federal agency coming down saying this has to happen. How does the relation to state law and federal, which is not law, federal rule... How, how how does that? What's that relationship between the two? How does that work? What what does that look like? Does one overrule the other? Does that's that's the biggest question I continually get asked, and it's the hardest question for me to answer. I'll let Gary go first. Well, I would say in a in a republic in a system of federalism like we have, uh, look, this is this is a Tenth Amendment issue. You know that that has the the first question is has the Constitution given an enumerated power to the federal government? to make healthcare decisions for the population. No, it certainly has not. Uh, but even even that, we're not talking about, as, as Kevin said earlier, laws being passed by Congress. We're talking about uh, regulations being issued by administrations, which constitutionally, those that's not the supreme law of the land mm-hmm. as the Constitution understands it, right? No matter what a judge says. So... If you start from there as the as the root, well, then per the Tenth Amendment, these are purely I, – I would say this is purely state power. States now have an assumed power um, to make these types of regulations, which still, however, needs to be subject to its own state constitution. So now you mm-hmm. have to ask yourself, does the Tennessee state constitution give – you know, once the federal government should have relinquished this power to the states per the Tenth Amendment, now when you're talking about Tennessee government, well, what does the Tennessee Constitution give our state government the power to do? The, the, the bottom line is, to, to simplify, in this last special session, Title 14, we passed a law, even though we handed out exemptions for federal contractors and um, for health care, in terms of just employers in general, whether you have one employee are infinity, or you know, fifty thousand employees in the state of Tennessee, you cannot require proof of vaccination as a condition of employment, and in addition, you cannot take adverse action. In other words, you cannot treat any employee differently based on their vaccination status. That's Tennessee state law. So, regardless of this OSHA rule or what the federal government supposes it has the authority to do, every employer in the state of Tennessee now has to make a determination. Am I going to follow this unconstitutional federal overreach or am I going to obey state law? And and I would say first answer is always obey state law. And state has clear jurisdiction over this matter. I, I would say by any measure, the state law is superior to this OSHA rule. Um, so, OK, so playing let's just play devil's advocate for a second. Tennessee state law now says you cannot your employment is not dictated on whether or not you're vaccinated. That's right. 
the OSHA rules gives you the option to not be vaccinated, but you have to test weekly. That's correct. Is that their workaround? Is that the workaround around them being able to say, well, we're not requiring you to be vaccinated. We're just saying you have to be tested every week. So the way that that would play out in the state of Tennessee is because the law says that they cannot take any adverse action, the employer can, okay, it it is legal in the state of Tennessee, for the employer to require that everyone be masked or everyone test regularly. So if, if, if a Tennessee employer chose to test everyone and mask everyone, regardless of their vaccination status, that would be legal right now, according to the law, right, that, that passed so in a special t- session. So technically, if you've got a group of people— Constitutionally, that, not so sure. Right. I'm talking about according to the law that Technically, passed. if you've got a group of people that are vaccinated and a group of people that are not, requiring the people that are not vaccinated— to test regularly, would that be considered an adverse action? That would be action? an adverse action. Okay. If you didn't make everybody do it. That's correct. Right. Okay. That's illegal in the state of Tennessee as of today. Okay. Yeah, I let me add just as kind of a coda to that. These conflicts between... Which is a musical term, by the way. <laughs> it's a musical term. That's my musical background. <laughs> These conflicts between federal law, and OSHA's not even federal law, right? That's federal decree state law, and then even the competition between a ruling by a judge or a justice and a law passed by Congress with the consent of the people. These conflicts are always going to happen, and we need to remember that (laughs) – remember what Abraham Lincoln did. You know, when when a judge acts in contravention of what he believed as the executive was the lawful and right thing to do before God, he said – Okay, you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not complying, right? Which showed an incredible amount of moral courage. Today, that's almost entirely absent. A judge renders an opinion. Everybody goes, bow down to the judge. That was never intended by our founders to give judiciary that kind of power, nor was it intended for the federal government, which was created by the states in the first place. The federal government was never intended to have that kind of power, and yet people have been conditioned to just say – they use the word law so loosely because it's not a law, mm. but a decree that is passed and called a law. They say, well, I've got to do it. It's the law. I don't think there's – and I know you gentlemen agree. I don't think there's going to be any real change in this process until people become more comfortable in disobeying unlawful regulations that are coming from who, whatever form of government, whether it's a judge, whether it's a legislature, whether it's a governor, whether it's a mayor. Well, I mean, the t- I didn't know this until Gary informed me with it, of this, but the Tennessee State Constitution says, yes. Gary, you quote, quote it every time love you speak. This, I love this quote. Our Article 1, Section 2, that the doctrine of non-resistance to arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. So if we don't resist arbitrary power, we are absurd, slavish. Yeah. What was the last word? Absurd, slavish. Yeah, that's that's it. That's, okay. that's the sure. two. And, and, that's and, bad enough. And, yeah. and it is destructive to the good and happiness. It's destructive. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But but not only that, it, it's that it, it the Constitution has, by that section, prescribed a duty. You know, it's saying it's saying you're crazy if you don't resist this stuff. Yeah. And, and so, in essence, what it's saying is you have a duty to resist. It's saying, citizen of Tennessee, if you have any hope of preserving Tennessee and the goodness and the happiness of, of what we 
deem mankind here in our state, you have a duty to resist arbitrary power mm-hmm. and oppression. When when your government steps out of line, according to the Constitution, you have a duty. you have a duty. Absolutely, yeah. that's huge. And I don't. That, and that's that's the point. Like I didn't know. I might have had an inkling that we had a state constitution, but I had no idea what it said, and I certainly did not have any idea that it said that. That's strong. No, and it's refreshing, isn't it? And it's empowering. Yep. It, it was. Um, it's also found in the Pennsylvania Constitution, and uh, I my, believe my old state, by the way, <laughs> born and raised, and and I believe was originally written by Benjamin Franklin. Just. Uh, our constitution. As a, as a side note. No, the Pennsylvania. no that, Pennsylvania's. The Pennsylvania Constitution and, and that particular statement that. which Tennessee adopted okay. into its constitution. Okay. Yes. So what you're saying, Gary, is you got to give credit to Pennsylvania. That's, not, that's actually not what I'm saying, <laughs> technically. <laughs> I love both. Kevin, From, Kevin's just looking for an excuse to pull the penguins into this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If we could get my goal horn, then we'd really be good. <laughs> but, oh, well, well, I'm sure we can put it in there we, somewhere. We do have to get our weekly segment in, though, before we close. Yeah, well, should, we, should we do it or should we tease it for next week since we've gone so long? Maybe tease it, but let's let's. What 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 is our weekly segment? We'll, we'll tease yeah. the weekly segment that we will start next week, Kevin. Yeah. We, since it was your brainchild, why don't, why don't you introduce this segment? Yes, it's a segment that I I hope our audience will really love as much as we've loved putting it together. Called "Things I Would Never Do as Governor." Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. Stew on that one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Come up with your own. We're gonna come up with some, but yeah. This will be a good one. In- info at TennesseeStands.org. There you go. You can, you can send, send us yours. We'll, we'll read them off on air for sure. Well, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there'll probably be some of them. I did say the FCC have doesn't have any, con- <laughs> have any authority here, but there's we'll draw the line. All right. Well, that was, I mean, episode one, that was solid. I thought, uh, it, was, I thought it was great. I thought we probably talked a lot longer than we expected to. Yeah, well, yeah. which is a good thing, that's right? What we had content. That's what post production's for. <laughs> so um, what you're saying is you're going to eliminate everything <laughs> I said. Kevin gets taken out completely. No, no way. Nope. It's the Gary and John show. Not at all. Uh, yeah. So um, every week we'll be here. We'll bring you guys news, events, uh, current happenings, commentary, questions. If you have questions, info at TennesseeStands.org, and. Um, Thanks, guys. That's great. Thanks, John. Thanks, we'll be back Gary. next week. Thanks for joining in. Tell tell everybody about the podcast. I think everywhere where you can find podcasts. Every platform. Yeah. Give us five stars, hopefully. Yep. All that jazz. Ratings and reviews help. All right. Till next week. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. <laughs>